may be dismissed at Children's Church now. For the rest of us, if you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings is conveniently located just after First Kings, yes, and uh, just before First Chronicles. So, help you uh, locate where that is. Second Kings four, perhaps uh, an unusual passage for uh, a Mother's Day, and it's about uh, a mom whose name we never know. We're never introduced to this person by her. Her name, just by her character, we're told the kind of person she is more than who she is specifically. Moms know how to make boo-boos feel better, don't they? A, a simple mother's kiss is like magic salve. If a kid falls down and gets scraped, he runs to his mom and and her tender kiss can make it feel all better. Moms know how to make boo-boos feel better. In fact, I thought if there was a way, we ought to try to bottle that. Can you imagine, for $9.95, yours, this container of mommy's kisses, for whenever you fall down, get scrapes, need help, this is for you. $9.95. But wait, there's more. Along with it, we will, we will throw in this bucket of dad's pithy sayings for when you get hurt. <laughs> like, ah, go rub some dirt in it. <laughs> but wouldn't you like this bottle of mother's kisses? But how about when it's mom who has the boo-boos? How about when it's mom who's hurting? who has a, not just a scraped knee, but a broken heart. How can a mom who has that kind of damage be able to say, in the midst of it, it is well? That's what we're going to look at today. A mom who can say, it is well. From 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 8. Let's just read verse 8 through 10 to begin with. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, that he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. The kind of mom who can say, it is well, in the, in the midst of turmoil and trial, is a kind of mom who has, to begin with, a gentle and a serving spirit. We see that exemplified by this Shumanite woman, she was, we're told, a notable woman. Uh, the Hebrew word gadol means great 
or I like the way the New American Standard puts it, prominent. There was a prominent woman of that time. It's not necessarily related to wealth. In fact, it's, it's never translated by itself wealth or being rich, uh, as some translations have it here. But you could, you could imagine if she's a prominent woman of the city that perhaps she was a, a woman of means as well. But she was notable. She was a well-known, prominent person of the city. And as this well-known, prominent person, she was not above reaching out to other people and helping them in need. Notice that she did not wait for opportunities to serve, but she sought them out. And in verse 8, says that, And uh, she persuaded him, Elijah, to eat some food. And it was as often as he passed by that he would eat some food there. She, she persuaded him to do this. She didn't just say, you know, sometime if you'd like to. But she implored him, she persuaded him. She wanted to serve him in this way so greatly that she sought it out. She entreated her husband about the putting a room in their home for this, uh, this prophet. Uh, she said, please let us do this. She entreated her husband. Uh, she didn't just um, make a suggestion, but she entreated him. This kind of person who has a, a giving, serving spirit is the kind of person who is other-focused, aren't they? Now, how about you? Are, are you willing to give? Or are you looking for opportunities to give? See, a lot of us are willing, if someone asks us, to give. But have you gone further than that? Having a giving, serving spirit, she was looking for an opportunity. She sought it out, and, and uh, she did it. And in serving, are you willing to serve? Or are you seeking opportunities to serve other people? That's the kind of character she has. We don't know her name, but we know something of her character. And it was this kind of character that we see that will enable her, enable her later on to be able to say it as well. It's not incidental. A, a person who is self-focused will have a very hard time saying it is well when tragedy strikes because they're so focused on self. But a person who is other-focused will have an easier time being able to say it is well. Secondly, we see that she has a, a godly contentment. Verse 11 and it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shumanite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, we have been you have been concerned for us about all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So, Elijah offers um, something to her because she has 
she has gone through so much trouble over an extended amount of time to not only feed him whenever he comes through but to have a room built for him and to, to house him there and so he says what would you like for me to do for you do you want me he gives a suggestion here do you want me to speak to the king or to the commander of the army on your behalf now this is a person of influence how would you like for me to talk to the king for you I could get you or your husband a position in the court in uh, Jerusalem how about that and Elijah had this this openness uh, this opportunity with the king because of chapter 3 what happens in the chapter just before this it happened that the three there were three kings that went out to war against the king of Moab the king of Israel the king of Judah the king of Edom decided to fight against the king of Moab who was coming after them and uh, they they came up with a plan that they were going to go up through the desert place of Edom and strike them in that way <clears throat> well they ran out of water they're about to die before they even got to the battle and um, Jehoshaphat says in chapter 3 verse 11 is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him and Elisha was there and Elisha God used Elisha not only to bring water to them but uh, victory in the battle to them and so th they would have all died there in the desert had it not been for how God used Elisha and so by the next chapter when he's saying you want me to talk to the king for you this was just no idle um, bragging he really had the king's ear and probably could have gotten anything for her that she wanted her response is is interesting here verse 13 he asked do you want me to talk to the king or the commander of the army she answered I dwell among my own people that's an unusual response to our ears what does she mean by this I dwell among my own people well it was a way of saying I am content in my present situation I'm glad to be living here with my own people and I'm not seeking for anything greater though her situation as we will find out is not ideal she was satisfied We're, we are reminded as Paul told the Galatians that godliness with contentment is great gain and so this was a godly woman who was content with what she had he was Elisha was offering her tremendous opportunities no I'm I'm content with what I have For a person to be able to say it is well they need to be content with how God has blessed them already if you are a person who's always looking for more and more and you can never be satisfied with stuff or money or achievement you can never be satisfied I want more and more when tragedy comes when trials come you will not be able to say it is well you will say woe is me and complain against God but this was a woman who not only have, had a giving and serving spirit but she had a godly contentment 
And God responds with abundant blessing. Verses 14 through 17. So he said, what then is to be done for her? That is, man, if can't even ask the king to do something for her, what can be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So I don't know if that's one problem or two. <laughs> or one problem compounded by the other. But... Um, Perhaps she would have liked Elisha's response to have been to make her husband young again. But that's not the response. She, she's going to get a son. Actually, she has no son. And her husband is old. That, that's to tell us that it's not likely now at this stage in life that, that she's going to be able to have a child and she hasn't had one up to this point. And... and and think about this, just in the, the cusp of her saying, I dwell among my own people. That is, I'm, I'm fine in the situation I'm in. I'm content with what I have. And yet, Gehazi even uncovers something that, for most people back then, would have been uh, something they, they would have thought would have been pretty dire. Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway, and he said, About this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. In other words, don't put me on about this. Don't, you know, um, tell me one thing when it's really going to be something else. I, I really need to know the truth. She couldn't stand to to have this hope in her heart and it not really come true. But, verse 17, the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And so God abundantly blesses. This kind of reminds me of Solomon when God asked him what he wanted as, as king. And instead of Solomon saying, I want great Riches and power and all this stuff. He said, I want wisdom so I can rule your people well. And God said, because you didn't ask for the riches and power and all that stuff, but you asked for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom, but I'll give you the other too. And so this woman who had a godly contentment was not seeking, well, here's my list of stuff, Elijah. Give me this and this and this and this and this, and then I will be satisfied. But she had a life of godly contentment, and God said, I'm going to bless you Anyway, and he gave a great blessing. She bore a son. Now, we see an unshakable faith, starting in verse 18. And the child grew. Now, it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers and he said to his father my head my head so, his, so he said to a servant carry him to his mother probably a fairly young child perhaps a, a toddler a little bit older maybe five or six years old out to the field and has uh, some kind of a problem there perhaps a heat stroke 
And he gets carried back to his mother. Verse 20. When he had taken him and brought him into his mother, he sat on her knee until noon. And then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door, and went out. Having a giving, serving spirit, having a godly contentment, does not make one immune to the tragedies of life. Being a believer, having a relationship with God, being a faithful Christian, does not make you immune to the tragedies of life. And we see even as she was given a son, he was taken from her. And we sang the song earlier, Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is from Job. Job said the same thing as God took almost everything from him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's unexpected sorrow. We think that reading this, it would end with um, verse 18, and the child grew and had a happy life. We would want that to be the end, but that's not how life always goes, right? There's unexpected sorrow. But we see in the midst of this unexpected sorrow an unshakable faith demonstrated by this uh, Shumanite woman in several ways. She has action. She has a plan that she inaugurates. She carries out. She has faith. Verse 22 then she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So here's her plan. She's going to go where? To Elisha. She's going to go to the man of God, the one that God had used to bring life, to bring the boy to life. She's going to go to that same one. Perhaps God will use him to restore the life. That's her thinking here, I believe. And she, so she goes to her husband and she entreats him to please let me have a, a donkey for the journey and a servant to go with me. And I'll run there and come back. About 10 miles, by the way, from there to Mount Carmel. So like going from here to Indianola and back. I'm going to run there and back. Well, she means, of course, the donkey is going to run. The, uh, but that still was quite a trip, and she's determined to, to go full speed there and come full speed back. And she says in verse 23, well, the husband asked in verse 23, uh, so he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Why, why are you going there today? Why are you going to church today? It's, it's not Sunday and it's not Awana night. Why are you going? Now, 
evidently their habit was to go uh, for each Sabbath and for the new moon festival and but this was exceptional and the father knew it and she he's wondering why her response to him is it is well even here we see faith that though things aren't yet well they will be in fact some translations translate this as if it were future tense it will be well that may be her intention indeed verse 24 then she saddled a donkey and she said to her servant drive and go forward by driving it means you urge the animal on drive and go forward and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you Jesus wants to go full speed as far and as long as they can to get to the man of God as soon as they can. Do not slacken the pace unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Now she had a plan of action. We need to have both faith and action. But we need to have an active faith as well as faithful action. And I believe we see that with the Shumanite woman. She had a plan that was driven by faith. Not just a plan of her own devising, but a plan driven by faith. She knew she needed God's intervention here for something to happen. We, when we come to a point like this in, in our lives where we face some kind of trial or tragedy, something dire has happened, and we need God's intervention, He also expects us to do whatever our part is. He wants us to be involved. We exercise faith, but it is an active faith. If if you desire for a loved one to come to know Christ, you don't just pray for them that they might, but you seek to share the gospel with them. God does the impossible, but he wants us to do the possible. He is Lord of the impossible, but he expects us to do what we can. And she did what she could in the moment. This is her plan. This is something she could do. I think one of the best examples of this is Lazarus. When he died, Jesus came to his tomb. Mary and Martha were there. Now Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Call him back to life after being in the grave for several days. And as the sister said, by this time his body is sinking. He's already decomposing. And Jesus is going to call him back to life. And what does he ask the people to do? Move the stone. Now think about this. Jesus, who is God, who is creator of all who will, in a moment, resurrect Lazarus from the dead. Could he have moved that stone? 
Could he have just pointed to it and just... He could have had an angel come and do it. He, he could have spoken the word, stone move, out of the way. But he didn't. He asked them, you move the stone. You do the possible, I'll do the impossible. That's what God is calling us to. You, you do the possible. In faith, you do the possible. I'll do the impossible. Um, my house is on the market. Yes, that's a shameful plug. <laughs> in case you know anyone who is looking for a home in Norwalk. But... Uh, praying as we are that the house will sell it's our daily prayer Lord God but we also still have to advertise it right we still have to market it through a realtor company or there, you have to do something and not just sit back and pray God wants us to pray he wants us to trust him he wants us to exercise faith in him but to put feet to the faith as well and so we see her action, but we also see something of her faith. If we go back to verse 21 and 22 again. So uh, what she does here in response to him dying in verse 20 is she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. We see from verse 21 what her plan is and where her faith is. What her faith is about God working through this man of God. And so she goes and puts him up on his bed not on the child's own bed but, but there and then she called her, her husband and, and asked him to send her to the man of God so she in the midst of this she has faith that God is going to work again in a miraculous way as he had before to bring the child to life to begin with to restore his life God is able What is striking to me is the word that she uses for her response in both 23 and 26. At the end of verse 23, and she said, it is well. As we read on, verse 25, so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shumanite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And so you kind of picture Elisha the prophet up on Mount Carmel with Gehazi. They see someone coming at a distance as fast as they can. Who is that out there? It's the Shunite woman. Gehazi, go run to her. Find out. Ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it, is it well with your child? And Gehazi runs out to her and asks her that. And she responds with one word in Hebrew, Shalom. It is well. Now, was it well? Would you have said, it's well, it is well. 
To me, again, what is striking is not only that she says it is well, but the particular word she uses, shalom. You know, the word shalom of, of Hebrew, normally we think of the idea of peace. The, if you wish someone shalom, you're wishing them peace. But the idea behind the word shalom is wholeness. Wholeness. And that everything is as it should be. That's the root meaning of shalom. Everything is as it should be. Now it's generally translate that like here. Something like it is, it is well. But think about the degree that this is saying. Everything is as it should be. I mean, what kind of person can say that? Shalom. And finally, we see that she had a broken but trusting heart. Verse 27. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she finally comes to where Elisha is at the hill. And she falls down before him and catches him by his feet. Now, this is a great departure from their interaction beforehand. Um, if you go back to verse 12. Um, Elisha said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shumanite woman. Notice he doesn't even call her by name. Call this Shumanite woman. When he called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, that is, Elijah said to Gehazi, while the woman is standing there, Gehazi, you say now to her, look, you have been concerned with us of all this care. What can be done to you? Even though she's standing there right next to Gehazi, he addresses Gehazi, you, you ask her this. She responds, he asks, goes back through Gehazi again. I mean, that's the kind of distance of the relationship for propriety's sake. All that gets thrown out the window when tragedy strikes. <laughs> right? We're, we're not so careful about customs. She flung herself at his feet, grabbed him by his feet. Now Gehazi, the servant, is trying to get her away, kind of like the disciples tried to shoo away the children from Jesus, and he got on to them saying, no, let them come to me. Let her alone. For her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and not told me. Now, this is interesting, too, that Elisha didn't know anything about this. Why? Because it was not the Lord's will for Elisha to take the initiative to go to the woman. It was his will for the woman to take the initiative to go to Elisha. For her to put faith in action. Not just be a recipient of blessing, but to go and seek God's intervention. To actively seek it. 
And so that's why the Lord had hidden it from Elisha. But we see that as Elisha correctly surmises, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. Now, if you think about this especially, verse 26 and 27 back to back. In verse, the end of verse 26, she says, Shalom. In verse 27, we are told of her, her soul is in great distress. One of the things that this shows us is that for you to have peace, for you to be able to say it is well, does not mean that everything has to be calm and perfect in your life. That is, even in the midst of tragedy, we should be able to say, Shalom. Reminded of how Job said, in the midst of his loss, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Jesus at Lazarus' tomb, though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, we are told in John 13 that Jesus wept. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, Paul tells the Thessalonians, I, I want you to know, brethren, that you're not to be unaware or uninformed as others who grieve but have no hope. We are not like others who grieve and have no hope. We grieve, but we have hope. So, having a relationship with God through Christ does not um, prevent us from having tragedy in our life, but it provides hope for our lives. We grieve, but as those who have hope the thing is that circumstances change but God never does the same God who was able to bring a son to her is able to raise him up if it's his will the circumstances change but God never changes It's not as if when you, pray, you face some tragedy or trial or a death of a loved one or something like this that you just have to be stoic and say, this doesn't bother me. No, we weep with those who weep. There's a, there's a time for, for weeping, for pouring out our soul before God in distress. But at the same time, having an unshakable faith. We see then the reward of her faith in the following verses, 28 and following. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Now, of course, Elijah picks up the, on the hint that something's happened to the son. I think 
what she's probably meaning here is why, why give me a son then take him away don't deceive me about it I, if you're going to give me a son then I need a son then he said to Gehazi get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way if you meet anyone do not greet him and if anyone greets you do not answer him but lay my staff on the face of the child so he sends Gehazi on ahead to get there quickly and to lay his staff on the child's head uh, lay, lay it on the face of the child and the mother of the child said as the Lord lives and as your soul lives I will not leave you so he arose and followed her in other words she was saying it's not enough for Gehazi to just go with the, the staff I need you to come you yourself you are the one that God used I need you to come verse 31 now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child but there was neither voice nor hearing Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child laying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. The first thing Elisha does is he goes to the one who is able to rectify the situation the one who is able to resurrect this son Elisha goes in shuts the doors to the two of them and he he prays to God verse 34 and he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth his eyes on his eyes his hands on his hands and he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of this child became warm by the way, back in uh, 1 Kings 17, Elisha's predecessor, Elijah, did the same kind of thing with the widow's son uh, who had died, used the same symbolic method. So perhaps this is where Elisha learned that. Or perhaps in his praying to the Lord, the Lord told him to do this. We're not sure why he, he, he did this. But the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then, he, then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shumanite woman. So he called her. And when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. She receives the reward of her faith. Now just a couple things to consider in closing today. She, she lost this long-wanted son. Her one and only son. She lost while he was just a young lad. How precious he must have been to her. And yet she was able to say, Shalom. Everything is as it should be. 
let me ask you, in your life, what one thing, if you lost it, would prevent you from saying, it is well? There might be a number of things, but perhaps there's one thing that comes foremost to your mind. If, if I lost this person, that relationship, this house, or whatever, if I lost this, I could not say it is well. Whatever it is, you have not committed it to God. Whatever that person or thing is, the reason you cannot say it is well is because you have not committed it to God or them to God. Committing them to God means more than just I hope God blesses them or something, but that you see them being in God's hands is better than being at your side. That's even better. Committing them to God is trusting that God has his purposes for that person or that relationship and you trust God's heart more than you trust your own. Do you? In that one thing, do you trust God's love and God's heart more than you trust your own? Well, kind of a follow-up question to that is then, what enables us to say shalom? What is it that enables us to say it is well? Now remember, saying that like this woman does not mean you don't have deep distress. She had, her soul was in deep distress. Doesn't does mean you don't have that. But to be able to still say, it is well. What, what does it take to bring that about? I believe what it takes is an unshakable faith in the character of God. An unshakable faith in the character of God. That is not a faith that's like a light switch off and on sometimes, but a faith that is unshakable. In the good times and the bad times, my faith, my trust is in God alone. Do you trust Him at all times? An unshakable faith. And not just faith, but in God. And it's in specifically the character of God, who He is. As for God, He does all things well. He's never made a mistake and He never will. You can trust His character. You may not understand His plans, right? His purposes. You may not be able to trace all the things that He's doing and understand why, but do you trust His character? God will never lie. He will never stop loving you. 
He has loved you with an everlasting love. That, that's never going to stop. He knows all things. An unshakable trust in the character of God. I'm going to have the, uh, our worship team come forward as we get ready to sing a, a final song. As they come, let me just just remind you that to have an unshakable faith in the character of God, you have to, first of all, have a relationship with that God, right? If you don't know Him, if you only know something about Him, then you're not going to be able to have faith in Him. But how do we get to that point of an unshakable faith? It is because of what he has done for us to open the door for us to have that faith. God gives us the faith. He opens our eyes to see our own sin and his provision for our sin. His son nailed to a tree so that all who put their faith and trust in this crucified Lord and Savior have their sins taken away. And the basis of that relationship with God, then you begin to have a, a faith, a strong, unshakable faith in this God. For me, as I, I'm sure the testimony of many others would be, as you go through life and you look back how God has worked again and again and again. I've been through lots of different trials and tragedies and so forth, some of which I've caused. But God has been faithful to, the, to me in it all. He is a faithful God. But you need to have a relationship with Him to even know that. If you know Him, if you place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, then you know that you will be able to say it as well. You may not right now be able to say that, but he will enable you to. Mr. Horatio Spafford was a successful businessman in Chicago, a member of the Fullerton Avenue Presbyterian Church in that city. In the financial crisis of 1873, he lost most of his property. In the stress and strain of the times, he prevailed on his wife and four daughters to take a trip to France to get as far away from the scene of worry as possible. So he booked passage for them on the Ville de Havre. They set sail November 15, 1873. The trip was uneventful, and its passengers were enjoying the indescribable uplift of an ocean voyage that is, until the night of November 22nd. Shortly after midnight, the Loch Urn, bound for New York, collided with the Ville de Havre. In a few minutes, the French ocean liner sank beneath the waves. The Loch Urn, which was not damaged by the collision, rescued as many survivors as they could find. Of the 226 passengers on the Ville de Havre, only 87 survived. 
Mrs. Spafford was among the survivors, but all four daughters perished. As soon as Mrs. Spafford reached land, she telegraphed from France to her husband, saved alone, children lost. What shall I do? Mr. Spafford left immediately to join his wife and bring her back to Chicago. It was in the depths of their bereavement that he wrote his one and only hymn, It is well with my soul. The grief of his terrible loss and the peace he experienced as he and his wife submitted their lives to God's providential dealings he describes in the four stanzas of this hymn. Let's stand and sing, It is well with my soul. <laughs> 